Welcome to Covenant Church's Sermon Discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the Communication Director at Covenant, and the Preaching Pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Good afternoon. I'm Michelle Lichty, and I'm here today with David Henderson. How are you all? Great to be with you. Good to have you, David. Today we are talking about uh, your sermon from this past Sunday. We are in a new series called Whose We Are, uh, based on 1 Thessalonians. And this past Sunday we you talked about identity and um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4, among other verses. Um, and you gave some background to the book of Thessalonians that I don't think we need to go over. Um, your main focus was who are we? What, who, who gets the, who gets the right, perhaps is the right term, correct term. Who gets, the, who has the right to tell us who we are? Yeah. That- I think the, the only, um, probably the one I think really relevant connecting part to the background that I provided real quickly on the book Mm -hmm. is uh, just that when you look at the Acts account, the book of Acts, Mm. uh, Paul and his team first coming to Thessalonica and establishing the church, there, there's this uh, record of um, two comments that are made about Paul and Silas and Timothy's ministry. It says these men are turning the world upside down and obviously talking about Jesus who turns our worlds upside down and then mm-hmm. it says um they they ought to be um jailed for treason because they are professing allegiance mm. to a king um a different king whose name is jesus and i think it is especially striking because of the, the historical background of that area that the whole idea of a king just resonate resounded uh resonated resoundingly in that whole area because of right. alexander the great uh, and then the Roman emperor, essentially a king. Mm-hmm. Um, so this 400 years of allegiance to a king and devotion to a king. And then along come these guys who say, actually, your allegiance should be to a different king. Um, and that I just think that's a helpful frame of reference because mm. um, everything else that we encounter in the book of First Thessalonians actually threads back to that idea that Jesus is this king uh, mm. to whom we give our allegiance. Mm-hmm. And identity, certainly among those things. Yes, that is an important foundation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because without it, you know, if we are not giving our allegiance to the to the King, to King Jesus, then uh, we don't acknowledge His right to give us our identity. Right. Right, and then we're in the whole cultural identity i get to choose my own identity i get to it's more than just discovering my true self it's more of a who do i want to create myself to be which according to our culture is my true self although it may contradict who i was yesterday and who i will make myself to be tomorrow right my current true self yeah 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 and all that gets exhausting It's exhausting. It can produce anxiety and yeah. yeah. 
and it's 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 um it's like the shifting sand it's like quicksand you can just quickly get swallowed up with out knowing anything mm-hmm. um but yeah so the question i have written down here for identity what determines who we are we um you know we've talked about in the western world especially right cuz in 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 some cultures it's our community who gives us our identity mm-hmm. um and in america it's generally a personal autonomous decision right and i think one of the um yes it's is is it the individual or is it the is the individual part of a larger community and then also uh is my identity established from outside of me or is it something that i establish on the inside of me mm-hmm. and so that kind of almost creates a four-part grid of kind of which of those uh it, it where it might land and i do think it's uh we are in this striking time culturally where external authority really has been essentially abandoned when it comes to questions of identity speaking, mm. speaking broadly of our culture obviously mm-hmm. not a christian perspective um, and so that then the elevation of my own sense of who I am or who I want to be or who I'm aspiring to be is the focus of our way of thinking about identity. So I use the, um, the example that I've, I've really reflected a lot on mm-hmm. of the earth and the sun and thinking about identity. You know, we, we have this idea that the the way you would define the earth is just by things that are true of this ball that we live on. But uh, a really compelling argument can be made that the truest, the most and uh, truest and most important things about the earth can only be said when you pull back your view and you look at the earth in relationship to the sun and see the earth in its mm-hmm. orbit around the sun and and supplied by the warmth and the light of the sun and and i think that um that offers a really helpful analogy to the way we need to displace our understanding of identity as followers of christ that all the yeah. most important and truest things about me can only be said when I bring God into the picture and I talk about myself in relationship to him. And that is, it sounds so simple mm-hmm. to say and in some ways self-evident, but I believe in that all of the most important dimensions of identity are found. And I think that gives us such a great footing in our conversation with the culture to have conversations about identity, which is, mm. um, it's, we don't have to ever get in the argument of, Tis so, tis not, tis so, tis not. You're right, you're wrong, you're right, you're wrong. We can just mm. have a discussion, you know, well, what, how, how do you understand identity? What's, what, what do you include in the picture when you consider your identity? And here's what I'm including in the picture as I consider identity. How do you, how do you interact with that? So it, it makes it uh, a, um, a shared enterprise of exploration and reflection rather than a just combative yes, no, yes, no. Mm. I realize yeah. I just threw a lot of things out there, but. Um, yes. You did. And I think, um, you know, just the, the first thing that came to mind is how our understanding 
of the earth, if we're going to use that metaphor, how our understanding of the earth has changed over the centuries, right? Mm -hmm. At first, we thought the earth was flat Mm -hmm. and that there was an end that you could fall off. And then we thought that everything revolved around the earth, right? Mm -hmm. And then, um, and, and then realize that some of these scientists were correct that the mm-hmm. earth revolves around the sun right mm-hmm. i mean and that could be even a metaphor of how we learn about ourselves right like at first my how i see myself is one dimensional i am the child of my parents i am this person in this place in this time right but kind of one dimensional and then we think, oh, well, everything revolves around me <laughs> and my decisions and who I am and who I choose to be. And then we recognize, oh, I, I'm going to give my allegiance to King Jesus. And therefore, I revolve around him and he defines who I am. I'm displaced from the center of my existence. Exactly. Yes. And he occupies that place. Yeah. I, um, I often, as I share with my, my faith with people, I'll talk about the need for a Copernican revolution that takes us out of the center of our worldview and establishes him in the center and us, um, in a, in a completely different relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think that that's exactly right. Yeah. That metaphor is very helpful because I think when we talk about identity, it can kind of feel, especially for concrete thinkers, it can feel a little nebulous. Like, what do you mean by that? Well, I don't understand what that means. And so having that reference of something that is so concrete as the earth and the sun um, is just helps us to recognize that, okay, identity is important and it feel, it can feel kind of heady and, and philosophical and a little bit nebulous, but it is also important. And I think uh, another, another way that it's helpful as a metaphor, um, I do think it can be clarifying because what, you know, I think um, our notion of identity has shifted and in the last I mean, it kind of starts with the Romantic period. This is where this impulse mm. first came in with Wordsworth and others. But I think um, it has definitely been ensconced since the 60s um, that I um, identity it, uh, has to do with what makes me unique and mm. uh, what makes me an individual, which is not identity. Um, that's mm. uh, uniqueness or individuality. Um, that's me alongside of others, what makes me stand out or makes me different. But uh, that is utterly inadequate as a way of thinking about identity. So um, that would be like saying, well, the, the most important things we can say about the, the earth are just the ways that it's different from Jupiter and, and Mercury. Um, mm. Well, no, actually. Um, and and actually some of the things that has in common with those uh other two bodies may help us take us closer to identity than the ways that it's different, you know, mm. what's, um, so yeah, I think to, to shift the discussion out of what makes me distinctive mm-hmm. um, to what defines me as a person, I think of what makes me, me 
is is really um, crucial. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you know the part of you know we're the, um, we're having kind of a slow motion conversation over about thirteen weeks about implications of identity mm-hmm. as we go over through this series. Mm-hmm. Like we'll be talking as we get towards the end of the series about what are the implications of identity and authority? What, it, what, it, when God is in the picture, then I'm remembering that he as the King has the right to have the last word. When, um, what about identity and community? When other people are in the picture, what is the nature of my relationship with them? Oh, we, that they, I actually, part of my identity is connected to who we are and not just who I am before God. Mm, mm-hmm. And and then another dimension that I was just thinking about is purpose. That uh, when, if God is the one who has determined what makes me me, then the why am I here question comes hand in hand with the question, who am I or whose am I? Whose am I and why am I here? Why did he create me? So purpose gets woven so profoundly through that. So mm. when if I if I have a different starting point and my identity is just what makes me me, then um, then I'm the one who has the last word in all things. And purpose is whatever I want it to be. And I'm governed, controlled, enslaved by my feelings, by my preferences du jour, uh, what, whatever it is right. that is the um, the thing that matters to me in the moment. And there's nothing. There's no um, sense of of a, of a continuity of of personhood that that carries me from the moment of my conception through to my death and beyond um it's i am i i become a fleeting um reconstruction mm. of myself instead of a person whose identity is established and as an established and settled thing so there mm-hmm. i just think i mean there, i was thinking as i was thinking what you know how do we talk about identity there are there are so many corridors that come out from that central question that take you out of theory and into how do I live my life on Thursday afternoon in a hurry? Right. Yes. And, um, Oh yeah. My mind is racing. (laughs) Um, yeah, and so we need to have that foundation. Again, I just go back to this foundation, this if I know who I am in Christ, then I can stand firm. Um and I can walk forward with confidence, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And in fact, um you just put your finger on kind of where the series goes next. It's really interesting and this is not a coincidence that Paul focuses at the beginning, at the end, and at the middle of Thessalonians on uh, this trifecta of faith, hope, and love. It's faith, love, and hope because of the sequence kind of. Mm -hmm. um, And um, so what lets me stand firm has everything to do with faith. So faith and um, who I trust in, um, who loves me and who I love, and what my confidence is is related to to all of my tomorrows. are are woven through directly and in so many ways establish our sense of identity because all of those ultimately are questions that lead us to God. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I did. Yeah. 
this identity is such a big a big topic and i'm just remember reminded of um the there's a list of things that are true about us that rob has available in the thrive experience um that i is really helpful if we haven't gone through um you know, what is true about me as a follower of Christ, then that resource is very helpful because it's verse after verse after verse after verse. I am a child of God. I am a child of the King. I am loved. I am chosen. I am accepted. I am. And it just goes on and on and on. And it's, I think it's front and back of like a half page. So it's full sheet of paper. And um, so if you're having trouble figuring out, well, what does that mean? How, who, what, is, what does identity in Christ mean? then I think walking through those can be a helpful exercise um, in addition to reading through First Thessalonians, you know, every week during this series. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and the way that, that, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and the way that you ended your sermon, I don't know if you, this is where you were heading, was with three of those foundational truths. Yeah, that um, show up in First Thessalonians, yes. Right. Right. And those are... In one one that we belong to God, mm-hmm. in one four that we're chosen by God and uh, to be His and are dearly loved by Him as, and then in five, was it five 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 eight somewhere in there uh, five eight I think that we are children of the light. So that idea that mm-hmm. wherever it is that we go, we belong to Him and we are His representatives. Uh, we who have been brought, the who. Um, we whose lives are defined by the light then go as representations as of that light in the world. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, I think part of what makes just thinking in this conversation, part of what makes identity feel vague and theoretical and even kind of maybe why is it so important is because it is so bedrock it's not i don't i don't go into a conversation i have with the person at the checkout counter at payless thinking consciously of my identity i mm. don't i don't have a conversation um with a neighbor who's a lesbian thinking first uh, of my identity. That's not the thing I'm primarily conscious of in that moment. Um, I don't come into worship on a Sunday morning thinking, here's what's true about me right now in this moment. Mm-hmm. But all of the thinking that I do and all of the relating that I do in those situations and the many others I've brought into all happen on the footing of what has already been settled by me related to my identity. So if my identity is I'm loved by God, then I don't go into my interaction with someone else trying to get love from them that only God can give me. If I, if I go into a relationship, um, into a conversation with someone who's, um, doesn't agree with any aspect of my faith or my morals, then, uh, I am not a weather vane in our culture, uh, feeling like I'm thrown here and there by whatever the latest whims and preferences are. Um, I, I am defined as one defined by God. I'm established in him and I can uh, graciously relate to others with um, a settled confidence 
where I'm not scrambling and nor am I caving. Um, and mm. I can just graciously meet a person on that footing and, and so on and so on and so on. So I think, um, it's one of those things where it's almost like, um, you know, having that, I, I was chosen by God to be his and I am dearly loved by God. You know, mm -hmm. if, 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 if we are regularly letting the truth of that consciously, letting the truth of that penetrate who we are and define us, then in that moment, that may not mean anything in particular other than feeling good about knowing that that's true about <laughs> me, but that will absolutely show up in the way mm -hmm. that I relate to others all through the day and all through the week mm -hmm. and, uh, and oh, really profound yeah. ways. I mean, I'm just, I'm just thinking of a couple of practical instances. I remember hearing uh, an interview with somebody who had been a pastor and who left the faith and he basically left the faith because he felt guilty because he wasn't living up to the standards. And I was like, but that's not the faith, right? That's not the faith. That's, that is me working on my end to live up to the standards, which is impossible. I, when, when I am define myself as radically loved by God, it changes the conversation. Absolutely. Yes. And um and I can't remember the other one. Right yeah. well, as you're thinking about it, let me just mention, you know, obviously uh there is a ton of like uh charged uh pre-lightning bolt tension in our atmosphere right now related to political context. Mm. Um so who am I? As I talk to somebody who's in the political party that's opposite mine or as somebody who believes strongly in one view on an issue, and I'm talking to someone who believes strongly in the opposite perspective. Well, if um, if my being right is what defines me, if my winning is what defines me, if my being anxious to make this world into the thing that I think it ought to be because this world is all there is, if um, if um, being right is more important than being loved and loving, then all of those things will determine what happens in the next four minutes in that conversation before it mm -hmm. explodes or not. Um, right. Yeah. So it's this this sort of bedrockian nature of identity. Uh, you know, I've shared with you on multiple occasions my starting uh, every one of my quiet times in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, for years, really, essentially without fail, uh, let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in him. Mm -hmm. but, um, I I start the day not as someone who's about to set off on the hard slog of trying to earn God's pleasure um, and his acceptance. I start each day um, not uh, defined by my failure yesterday. I start each day not defining myself on the basis of me compared to the other human beings that are around me. I am mm -hmm. the beloved of the Lord. And, and when I start every single day there, I mean, I will just tell you that that informs every part of what happens 
from there. Yeah. Yeah. Freedom, peace, joy, purpose, perspective. Yes. Yes. I I mean, and and the thing that comes to mind is control, the word control. And so if I am not radically defining myself as loved by God and letting that penetrate deep within me, then I feel the need to control because Mm -hmm. I don't have faith that God is in control. And so then I have to win and I have to, you know, yes, all of the things you just said. Right. Um, Yeah. And uh, Michelle, what what you just said is such a profound part corollary to my identity as one chosen and loved by God. Because what I'm saying is to understand myself, I cannot do that unless God's in the picture. Mm-hmm. And as it turns out, I can't understand anything else unless God's in the picture. I can't understand the person I am disagreeing with unless God's in the picture. Mm-hmm. As one having created that person, as one who is in charge of the, the unfolding of human history, as the one uh, who's um, who is all, the only sufficient answer for that person's hungers and longings and my own. Um, so that trust is a function of having God in the picture always, which is directly related to our identity. And either I'm trusting God or I'm trying to control outcomes. And, Mm -hmm. um, and if I'm trying to control outcomes, then I'm operating out of a different sense of my identity and, and God's out of the picture. It's all up to me. It's all on me. And then that can become pretty ugly in a hurry. Ugly and exhausting yes. and uh, anxious. And unsuccessful. And unsuccessful. Yeah. It could look successful in the moment. Right. But if you ramp yourself up over someone and 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 mm-hmm. and impose outcome mm-hmm, mm-hmm. temporarily, that can happen. Right. Right. Yeah. Yes. So remember... We are loved by God. We belong to God twice over by virtue of creation and by being chosen. And redeemed by Jesus. And redeemed by Jesus. Yes. God loves us. He chose us to be his. And we are children of the light. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Any last words? No, I I think actually it's kind of to the contrary. I think it would be fun to have more words be folded into this over the coming weeks. I um, there was uh, it was really exciting to to have uh, interactions with a number of people right after both services on Sunday, and there was something that uh, that I think this captured in people as we are reminded of these truths. And, um, and I, I do really think that this series has potentially be pretty transformative for us Mm -hmm. and, um, and a great Mm -hmm. way for that to start might even be just memorizing first Thessalonians chapter one, verse four, um, brothers and sisters, you are chosen, um, to be his and you are dearly loved, um, said in different ways in different translations, but, um, and then Mm -hmm. let's spend the next three months figuring out from God what that means. Yes. Yes. And when we define ourselves as radically, I'm sorry, define myself as radically 
I'm putting as in the wrong place. (laughs) I can't can't read my notes. When I define myself radically as one loved by God, I am able to live a life of love. Absolutely. Yep. So thank you, David, for your time today. Thank you, Michelle. And thank you. Wrestle with some of this. Yes. And thank you to our audience, whether you joined us live on Facebook or later on our blog or on our podcast. We're grateful for the time spent with you today. Amen. All right. Have a great day. Thanks, Grace.